Hey guys, real quick, before we get started, I have a small request. If you've been blessed by our content and you like this show, would you take just a brief moment and leave us a five-star review? This is quite possibly the most effective thing that you can do to ensure that this content gets out to as many people as possible. Thanks. Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You're listening to Daily Truth. And over the last two and a half years, although it's been challenging in multiple regards, one of the great mercies of God during this time is that in his providence, he has lifted the veil and revealed to us, if we have eyes to see, how discredited these institutions are that the medical institution does not necessarily have your best interests at heart. It turns out that pharmaceutical companies really are for profit. And don't get me wrong, I'm a capitalist. As the great philosopher and theologian Ron Swanson would say, capitalism is God's way of determining who is smart and who is poor. And for the most part, I would tend to agree. I am not an egalitarian. God's world is hierarchical by design, and he said that it is good. Egalitarianism is just the stench of Marxism, which ultimately is fueled and rooted in envy and a breach against the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. It stems from an entitlement that says that what God has sovereignly distributed to my neighbor rightly belongs to me. But there is a way of being a capitalist, a for-profit company, which is not inherently wrong in and of itself, and yet being wicked, lying, deceiving. Big Pharma the medical institution, higher academia. Colleges these days are are just a training program for the Democrat Party. Parents go into debt simply to pay someone to teach their children to disbelieve everything that the parents spent 18 years trying to teach them to believe in the first place. Academia, medicine, the media. Does anybody watch the news and, and, and be able to keep a straight face? I mean, if you'd like to laugh, right, there are a lot of different sitcoms you can watch. One's called CNN or The View. Some great, great comedy in The View. Comedic gold. Media, medicine, academia. And certainly the state, politics, government, all these things. And in God's providence, and it is an incredible mercy to the people of God, if we can trust him, if we can be like the sons of Issachar, knowing, discerning the times, it is a mercy that God has ripped back the veil and revealed to many, to many, the duplicitous, character and nature of these major institutions. But how did we get here? 
is my point. In many ways, we got here because the church retreated from culture, retreated from politics, retreated from institutional, uh, institutional power. And we did it with this mindset of we're sojourners. This world is not my home. I'm a stranger and an alien just temporarily passing through. But the question is, when the Bible speaks, and it does, of New Testament Christians as sojourners, in what sense are we sojourners? And as I said last week, there are the sojourning exiles of Israel in captivity for 70 years in Babylon. Knowing Babylon is not our home. And Babylon will never be our home. Babylon is not going to be redeemed and restored. Babylon is going to be like chaff that's blown away in the wind. Babylon will be pruned. It will be severed. It will be destroyed and burned in the fire. This is not our final destination. This is not our ultimate home, not even in a glorified sense. We are sojourning temporarily in Babylon, but God's ultimate purpose is that he would take us out of Babylon, back into the land, another land, the land that was promised. Israel sojourned in Babylon for 70 years. But Abraham, as our text speaks of last week and today, Abraham sojourned in Canaan. But notice the difference. Abraham is not a sojourner in the land of Canaan for 70 years, for a time, so that eventually God would take him and his descendants and remove them from the land of Canaan and bring them somewhere else. Abraham is not sojourning in Canaan as an exile or as one who is being held in captive. Israel and Babylon, their eschatology, if you will, was to be taken from the land. Abraham's eschatology in the land of Canaan as a sojourner was to conquer the land. That's the difference. And now applying that to this gospel dispensation, as John Gill would call it, this gospel age, when we think of the earth and we think of our role as sojourners, strangers and aliens living in a land that is foreign, amongst the people that are pagan and idolatrous, people who look at us as though we were peculiar, as though we were even in some cases perverse, those who call good evil and evil good. Are we in captivity? Is our eschaton that God will one day take the church and remove us from this land and place us somewhere else? Or does the Bible teach that Christ is actually going through the church to redeem and restore this land? That the new heavens will be established and come to the new earth. And that the new earth is not another earth, but this earth fully redeemed and restored and made new. That we will see for eons and eons into eternity. After the final return of Christ, his physical return to earth. That we will see not another world, but this world glorified. 
a glorified Himalayan mountain range, a glorified Niagara Falls that no eye has seen, no mind can comprehend what God has in store for those who love him. That God is going to so redeem and restore and ultimately glorify not just individual Christian people, but this world which he loves, that in one sense it'll feel as familiar as it always was, and yet in another sense it'll feel as though we're somewhere we've never been before. That in heaven we, we might journey and travel and even explore. The new heavens come to earth and say, I remember this place. I, I went on a vacation here. Boy, it didn't look like this. But, but there's still the familiarity. In the same way that the Bible teaches, we will be able to recognize one another in heaven. Because it's this body. We are not Gnostics, brothers and sisters. We do not despise the physical realm. We are not promised an, an eschaton of simply being disembodied spirits floating on clouds for all of eternity. No, we will have a physical, literal, bodily existence with God forever and not another body. But this body, when Christ returns in the same way that in his earthly ministry he said, Lazarus, come forth. When Christ finally physically returns to earth, he will say, church, come forth. And all of our bodies, whether lost and disintegrated at sea or wrapped up in tombs, will come forth and be assembled physically, literally back together and glorified so that the familiarity remains that we might recognize one another and yet we will never grow tired or weary. We will never be sick. And most importantly, we will be free of sin which still resides within the members of our being, but no longer when Christ returns. The ultimate end of the gospel is that Christ is going to glorify, not dissolve, not disintegrate, not annihilate the physical cosmos, but restore and redeem and renew and glorify. The Bible says of even the creation that creation itself groans with eager expectations for the sons of God to be revealed. That is not the rocks and trees and mountains crying out for the sons of God to be revealed in the final day of Christ's return so that the creation can have a mercy killing from the Lord. So that the creation can disintegrate and die and give way to the sons of God. No, the creation cries out with eager expectations for the sons of God to be revealed because even the creation itself knows that in the revealing and redemption and glorifying of the sons of God, the creation will be renewed and restored along with them. As Jesus even said, if you tell these people to be silent, even the creation, the rocks, will cry out. Because they know who is king. And they know from where their salvation comes. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. Thanks for sticking around. I've got an important announcement to make. That's the Theonomy and Postmillennialism Conference. 2023, May 5th, 6th, and 7th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Theonomy 
and post-millennialism. We've got the speakers that we've already had lined up. That's Dr. James White, Dr. Joseph Boot, Dr. Gary DeMar, non-doctor Pastor Joel Webin. But we also have a bonus speaker, and that is Dale Partridge from Real Christianity. Perhaps you've heard of him. If not, you should start listening to his podcast. It's fantastic. Dale Partridge is going to be joining our team. We're going to have live panels on Friday night and Saturday night where you'll be able to write in questions and get them answered. We're also going to have a catered barbecue Texas-style barbecue meal on Friday that's a part of your registration fee. All that is covered. So you need to get that. This is how you do it. Go and register right now at rightresponseconference.com. Again, that's rightresponseconference.com. God bless. Thanks so much for listening. But real quick, before you go, do us a small favor, take a moment, and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. This is undoubtedly the best way that you can help us get this biblically faithful content to as many people as possible. Thanks so much.